Good afternoon, Meat Suits. Welcome back to Read and Weep Season 4. We are three to four guys with perfect opinions about movies, TV, and culture. We're coming at you a little bit late this week. We were going to record yesterday, but Ezra forgot. Um, I'm your host, Alex Falcone. Uh, I'm recording today from North Koreatown, Los Angeles. Enjoying the last few days of Gray May. Also joining us today, he's at Anthony Lopez Part 2 on Twitter in Southeast Portland. He never gives up. Yeah, he never uh, surrenders. The, it's Mr. Anthony you know, Lopez. Going down, cruising on the ghost tracks. There was a little bump. I think that was Ezra's body because you threw him under the train. Um, is that what that was? <laughs> that <it just> felt? <laughs> is throwing somebody under the train different from throwing well, under, I mean, under the bus? That's much you throw worse. someone under the train, <laughs> the problem is there's usually five other people on a different track. Uh, so it's a little bit more right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he threw somebody under the trolley. Also joining us, he's at Hunbun on Letterboxd from the woods of Arkansas. His TV guide interview was six paragraphs about his boobs. It's Mr. Hunter Hello. Dogs. That's my new thing. I just do the echo. Good, good riff. Um, yeah. And we've got one of our top three favorite co-founders of the podcast. It's been a hot minute, but we're glad to have him back. He's in Northern California by Grab Thor's Hammer. It's Ezra Fox. What a savings. <laughs> um, also, if you throw me under the train, I think I'm no longer legal tender. If I understand, like I get, I get bent out of shape. I'm fine. You just can't. Oh, oh, that me was anywhere. a that was a, a penny on the train tracks did, joke. Mm. Did you guys? I see. Yeah. Um, I was just thinking that if we throw you under a train instead of a bus, it's just more efficient for you traffic movement. Mm. Prob yeah, it's more it's more upkeep and it costs more to start, but then in the long run you'll get more ridership of people oh, riding yeah, over yeah, you. Yeah. That was a public transit joke. There's a lot of different directions you can take this thing. Throwing someone under the bus. I don't know. Ooh. Tell me. Yeah, it's, is that a thing that someone could no, have coined? No, I feel like it's it just always been yeah, coined. It's, it it's actually not that old. No, okay. It's Cindy Lauper. I'm gonna say it's in the Bible. It's from a Cindy Lauper interview. What? Cindy Lauper uh, when uh, she what? was talking about how in Hollywood you're either on the bus or under it, uh, and then she would talk about you how you would get thrown under the bus. But it's like a tour bus reference. That's what it's uh like. That's why you. Originally, it was a tour bus reference, and then at some point in the last 10 years, it transitioned to an exclusively reality show term. Got a lot. Of, it's. I think we we really, I, I could be wrong. Maybe my, like, I haven't taken a bus for a while, but I feel like we say this a lot more than anyone actually has buses, you know? Or is thrown under them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, hopefully well, not I happening mean, a lot. Um. Oh, wait, 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 wait. If it's a tour bus reference, do they mean not that you're getting run over, but that you're no, just in the, that in the storage area? Because that's under no. the bus. Oh, that's Jesus. a good point. No, it's exactly what the expression means. <laughs> no, no, it's it's true. I think Alex is right. Anytime like that, you're not a star, you become yeah. luggage. You yeah, literally, so that's really the literal there. meaning would be like, you've made me luggage. That's like how you'd really say it. <laughs> that was Shakespeare said that. And then Dude, we changed the it this over is good the now. years. We just retconned it. Uh-huh. Um, before we start the actual show, unless you think this is a show exclusively about buses, um, <laughs> I just want uh, to heartily thank all of our meat buddies who support the show. We've had a few join recently and not ask for thank you segments, which makes me think that they have heard yeah, they the don't be previous down, ones. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so if you'd like to support us but keep it a secret because our acknowledgments are cringe, go to metreon.com and uh, join our Patreon campaign and you can help keep our show limping 
under the bus. And we thank everyone who supports our self-sabotaging show. Um, before we talk about our homework today, uh, we're going to start with our normal segment, the news. Segment one, the news. I um, have a couple things that I want to talk about real quick. The first one um, is I want to talk about the story that happened early this week where American Telephone and Telegraph spun off its media company and combines it with Discovery Channel. So here's from The Economist, in case you missed the story. On May 17th, Discovery announced that it was to form a marriage of necessity, joining forces with Warner Media, which is to be spun off from its owner, AT&T. Combined, the two firms will form the world's second largest media company by revenue behind only Disney. And they say by revenue because otherwise you might think by <laughs> weight. Um, but yeah, second largest behind Disney. is did I? Okay, so, so many things about this. First of all, how is Discovery Channel secretly mm-hmm. that big? How are they secretly? Yeah. There's so well, many I, things that are Discovery. This whole thing has been so think. like, and don't these things usually take like months to get announced? This seemed like it came out of nowhere and then was like being done. Not for Warner. Yeah. Nah, it's, it just, it just, oh, you want it? Oh, Let's yeah, do yeah, it. yeah, well, yeah. I mean, the history of Warner is that companies buy it yeah. and then regret it and then get rid of it real quick. So that's definitely part of it. I be- So it, it is yeah. rushed. And it's I, like Capri's. I read. What? It's like Capri's. I feel like you buy Capri's thing. and then give them away? Yeah. No, you yeah. regret it. Yeah, you definitely regret it. I've done that with polo shirts where four different times in my life, I'm like, maybe I wear polo shirts now and I buy two and yeah. then hate it. But for some reason later, I'm like, maybe polo shirts is the next step for me. Just like $40 million, $40 billion write-offs. Every yeah, time exactly. Like, every, yeah, and then yeah. I just write off $40 billion on my taxes for it. Um, I believe, Anthony, the answer to why it feels rushed, I read um, from The Economist story, I believe, was it has to do with activist investors at AT&T who thought getting into media was a, the, a bad idea and basically like got Good. the board seats uh, to force them yeah. to sell this I mean, off. I, I've been very so, busy this reasons, week but, with stuff you guys know about. Uh, so I haven't had too much of a chance to follow it mm-hmm. but i am like i am glad that like at least another company that makes entertainment uh is kind of getting involved in this because like at&t's whole thing with uh like buying warners was like they, they're a company that looked at like oh what your movies make like a you know smaller movies make what a few million dollars profit we make that in an hour on phones so unless your movie makes a mm-hmm. billion dollars don't make a movie uh, and that's been like Warner's thing for the last yeah, few years. I, yeah. and it's, it's just a real bummer. Whereas Discovery Channel's thing is like, are there two weirdos mining gold in the ditch behind your house? They have seven shows now. They'll make anything. That They are not uh, picky. I, I bring this up, actually. One of the reasons I brought this up is just because I want to talk about the Discovery Plus app because it's one of the apps, I, one of the streaming services I subscribe to. And... It drives me crazy. It's nine clicks from when the app loads to get to the last show you're Ooh. watching to continue watching. Nine. Netflix is two or three. HBO is two. Like every other thing is like, what would you like to continue watching? And Discovery is like, there's no way you uh, want to no. keep watching that. Here's eight more shows about little well, people that you I have like to click that, through though, before you can like get to you, your you own You pick shows. a show and it's like, uh, oh, you want that? Prove it. Like I like... <laughs> And then you really feel pot committed. You're like, oh my god, I clicked nine times. Like, I gotta watch well, this. It, it definitely, I definitely I'm glad have to watch this now. AT and I mean, is the whole mojo with like AT, like uh, not AT, but HBO Max and Discovery app hanging out together, being like, you have a shitty interface. I have a shitty interface. 
Let's combine <laughs> together and make one shitty interface. Let's have twice as many yeah. engineers on our shitty I mean, interface. Yeah. <laughs> That's so true. Oh, man. Um, HBO loads extremely slowly for me, um, I, which drives me crazy. But at least you can skip forward in a video. Discovery Plus, you cannot. I have to ask a question because I'm yeah. cool with it either way, but I haven't listened to the show that much. Are we news now? <laughs> we do news now. Yeah. Or are you like, yeah. are you, are you like gaslighting no, we, we do some news like, now. We, we start out with a segment one is about the news. Then segment two is the homework and segment three is the argument. We've got Every, more segmented yeah. work. Everyone, everyone is wearing their, their, you know, their, 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 their joppers right now. Right. Everyone has their, their silly hat and their joppers. We're all well, doing, I, this is what we do I'm on the show. I'm actually right? in Gaza right now. reporting <laughs> on some stuff here. So, <laughs> reporting on the murder that's what you do it did occur to me that it would be would it be fun funny as if i read as our headline today something extremely serious as if we had to have a conversation about it and i was like no just kidding we're talking about discovery channel um but uh decided to bail on it but it came up anyway let me do a quick our second story as um obviously you know that we have at least uh, sometimes we have two segments in the news um so our second story Eurovision oh, is streaming in the US yeah. for the very first time from Vulture for the first time ever the annual batshit crazy event known as the Eurovision Song Contest will be available to stream in America legally with Peacock getting the rights to both the 2021 and 2022 co- competitions the streaming service announced today that all three nights of this year's contest the semifinals uh which we or the first semifinals which we just missed and the second semifinals was coming out tonight, and then the finals are this weekend, are all live and on demand for later mm-hmm. viewing. So, Anthony, this is great news for you because you, well, I mean, it sucks you have to open the Peacock app, yes. which is another nightmare interface, um, but, uh, and is just the most, uh, the most have been lied to by a streaming platform is Peacock. But for you, you are very excited about this because for some oh, reason, you I really mean, care it's... about Eurovision. It is a fascinating thing that I have had a sort of like a casual relationship with for a few years when I was sort of like watch different streams that you could find and sort of watch different clips. But it's just a uh, if you don't know much about Eurovision, it is uh, a wild thing that's been going on since post-World War Two in Europe, where every country submits one song and local artist to represent in Europe. Every country gets together and decides on one singer or one band that gets to go. Do they have, are there like, is it like Denmark vision first and Uh, then the winner goes to uh, like continent? Is it, are there national, are there like local state nationals, regionals, and then you go to continentals on the way up? Yes. I think the bigger countries just use like uh, sort of amateur artists who are on their way up to do songs. Um, but yeah, you know, every country mm. submits different songs mm. and then you kind of like do this huge, you know, multi- three step event when people perform the songs live. Every country uh, you vote, but you cannot vote for your own country. You can only vote for a different one. So what that does is. Oh, I love yes. that rule. I love rules yes. like that. That rule changes com- everything. If you didn't have that rule, it would just be yes. like, and what, well, what Russia happens wins with again. the rule, what makes it really interesting is that you can, and there's a lot of like stuff written about this, but you can follow uh, European politics by looking at how countries vote in Eurovision. 
Right, so when countries, like when Russia starts to act up in Chimera and becomes very unpopular, their Otis don't do well in Eurovision because all those countries that they're fucking with aren't going to vote for them, <laughs> right? So as different wow. different nations have had more tension or less tension, they get different votes. Um, it's a really, really interesting thing. So like wow. that's, that's like, there's all this really interesting stuff uh, baked into Eurovision, I mean, but I'll tell you, we watched this. What I don't understand is how you pick something to vote on besides not your country, because it's like, this is like, there's a, there'll be a metal song, there'll be a pop song, there'll be an opera song. They're just, yeah, it's insane I mean, that's to compare the beauty them. of it, though. I mean, it's like, you find yeah. out like, you know, you have a lot of, you know, kind of normal Euro pop, which I'm not a big fan of. But then every once in a while, you're like. Wait, Sweden sent like this weird Lincoln Perk knockoff? Is new metal still really big in <laughs> yeah, Sweden? Right? Is that a thing? I guess so. Yeah, apparently new, new it metal. is. New new uh, metal. It's newer. But yeah, it's Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, why well, not just newer metal? That would be so easy. As what were you gonna say? Well, I, I guess can you just vote for the people you yeah, I, think that no one else dude, would vote you can for, right? Vote for however and then, you like, want. Why why do you guys have wait, your, why, how time wrapping your head around this? You can there's not no one holds it against you who you vote for. I was watching it. I was just watching it and going, I don't know how any of these are better or worse than any of the other ones. Well, it's just I mean, so weird. Um, and some of them are like, some of them were like slickly produced music videos. Some of them are just like yes. a so show at a bar. So that's another thing is, you know, different countries have different sort of amount of money they put into it. But also you get, like, we've talked about this before about like, you know, there's been a handful of artists who are broken out of Eurovision. Right, like ABBA is the most famous. Right. Uh, Celine Dion was ABBA a Eurovision singer yeah. originally. Oh heck yeah! Um, well, I didn't know that. Uh, I think mm. Can- she Canadian. Yeah, I thought she's she's from Quebec. French Canadian. Um, I'm not. Sh- I'm not and sure. So she went Eurovision. No, uh, something's not adding up here. France. Um, Wait, no, I, she's on the, the list. What? Yeah. This- yeah, she is. Yeah, she lost. Wait, so Canada um, gets to do Eurovision, but we're not yes. invited? This is bullshit. No, the no, winner yeah. was Switzerland, Switzerland. Switzerland, performed by Celine no. Dion. Um, uh, so it's like so, corrupt, and they do like a lot of like fraudulent stuff like that, where they like pick random well, they, people. Someone, look, someone deposited Celine Dion in a Swiss bank uh, box, <laughs> and they took her out. So you and can't they, track how much fair. Celine Dion anyone has at any given time. I'm so confused, but... Uh, I, I Well, so it could be like, it, maybe it's like World, like World Cup, where it's like... Oh yeah, my uncle lives in that country, mm. so now I'm gonna play for them because I want to have a chance of winning. Or like, I guess the Olympics. Is are there like a draft? That. So, It'd be cool yeah, if there was a draft. <laughs> it could be improved by a draft. I'm down if there is a, a draft next time when all the musicians get out there. Celine Dion was only famous in the French-speaking world at the time of the contest. Uh, afterwards, yeah. she started yeah, singing now she's in English. The biggest uh, the, artist of all the time. Winner, and most well, I don't think last year's. <laughs> You're a big Celine Dion. Oh yeah. Uh, oh sure, I mean, who isn't? We, worldwide, we're living in impressive. a Celine Dion yeah. world. It's not really about whether you like her or not. Um, I do want to say if you are looking for, I sent this song to you guys, but there's a song from Iceland last year yeah. by an artist named I think Dio Freyer, uh, called "Thinking About Things" that went viral. But I think the it got uh canceled last year because of the pandemic. But he was kind of the favorite to win last year. Oh, yeah. Cancel culture. (laughs) What? Hey, speaking of uh, people misrepresenting cancel culture, did you guys see that Donald Glover thing going around this week? This is him. 
Well, I just no, this but we do just have to a, wrap a up the news. So this is our last story. thing. Donald Glover posted a long thread on some social like social media, uh, like Twitter, Instagram, about how why uh, TV shows don't take more creative risk, and the main reason why is that they're scared of being canceled by the network if people don't watch it, right? But no, he's Damn not talking McDonald's. about cancel culture. Oh, wait, was, so everyone's like, yes, confused. he was talking about <laughs> networks canceling shows, which is a thing that happens because ratings on it, right? Uh, shows do get canceled. And, yes, that is and actually a, not a weird yeah, opinion. And wait, what? He, he was writing this thing about how that's why a lot of shows don't do a lot of visual creative stuff, and uh, a bunch of news articles wrote a thing. This just goes to show you where uh, reading. Literacy oh my is, God! Yeah, I'm uh, is it that right a bunch now, of people posted things so about Donald yeah, yeah, yeah. went on this, you know, okay. scathing rant against cancel culture. When he was, he was actually talking about the actual cancel culture that exists out there. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Oh man, that's wow. Great. I was okay. If we're doing if we're doing cancel culture stories, did oh, you guys see the story about well, the I mean, horse? Did a horse get canceled? <laughs> the horse yeah. got canceled. That horse is dead to me. What horse? The horse that won the Kentucky Derby tested positive for oh. illegal steroids and then or well some some version of drugs they were not allowed to have and then the uh horse trainer was like this is part of cancel <laughs> culture and if you were going to like have someone on the inside undermining yeah. the message that's as good as you could get. As soon as people were like oh horses are getting canceled just for doing things that are against mm. the rules in horse racing it's perfect. Uh, made me laugh so much. All right, but we have to move on. Um, that segment is canceled in favor of segment two coming up now. All right, segment two, the homework. This week, our homework for the show was we had to watch the 1999 sci-fi comedy Galaxy Quest, written by David Howard and Robert Gordon, directed by Dean Parasote. Starring Tim Allen, Sigourney Weaver, Alan Rickman, Tony Shalhoub, Sam Rockwell, and Daryl Mitchell, plus Missy Pyle, Justin Jacob Long, uh, who is a poor man's Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and the film debut of Rain Wilson, an absurd cast well, and, for this movie I mean, that came out. The whole out, cast uh, is that. You're forgetting Arino Corleone, uh, yeah, It keeps Green. going from I there. Mean, Those so are just many the ones, people yeah. uh, are in this movie who would either were very big or would go on to become very, very successful actors. It's... Yeah, yeah. Uh, and this is, if you want to watch it, uh, if you've been thinking about Galaxy Quest recently, it is available for on streaming I, close to everywhere. It's on Prime and free on YouTube at the very least. Um, might also still be on Netflix. But we watch this because of you. As, as why are we watching Galaxy Quest? This is legitimately one of my favorite movies like it's on my top five list uh has been for a long time i think there's probably a couple things at the heart of it um one like i think so i remember seeing it when it came out um i definitely watched some star trek also growing up my dad was really into um i guess the original series uh, but then i was watching uh, next generation and and we watched uh, deep space nine when it like came out together so it felt like this was like kind of in my in my wheelhouse also um and, and i think just it's just really good hearted. It's like, it's a really, I think very well crafted story also. Like it, 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 it pays off really well. Everything that it sets up, uh, I would say, which is like one of the things mm-hmm. I, I, I love. Um, I think there's, uh, yeah, I mean that, and I think also one of my favorite things just generally is just, um, people, uh, like kind of reacting non-linearly in, uh, in scary situations. 
Uh, and so I think like that's like a lot of like mm. the the early part of like Tim Allen stick where it's like he doesn't realize like how great danger he's, he's in. That's also kind of Tony Tony Shalhoub's thing kind of throughout, where she's like, yeah, he just yeah, kind of he's goes so funny. Um, yeah. He makes me laugh so There's, much in this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's also a really interesting interesting role because yeah. he's not he doesn't have yeah. much to do, and the yeah, fact and he's that he's so like interesting to watch is great. Twenty times or anything, I'm just so unused <laughs> to seeing him not being super, you know, OCD. I would love. Is is does Tony Shalhoub ever played like just yeah, like a I mean, normal dude? I mean, can he I play somebody who's not I mean, sure. just bonkers? I mean, he does a lot of Coen Brothers movies, so you're not going to get to play normal people in those. Uh, but yeah, he plays right, a lot of right. And in this one, he's not like touching doorknobs, but he is having well, sex with I an mean, octopus, an alien. Let's not. Yeah, hey, we're not. Yeah, it's, yeah, not, it's not, not an octopus. octopus. I mean, it is. Look, I'm. Right, so it's a space octopus, but it definitely has tentacles, and they go inside inside them. Who knows? We don't see, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. it's not actually that explicit. I mean, they kind of just make out a little. Let's catch catch everybody up in case you have not seen it. It'll be that uh, way about it, Alex. I'm sorry, we're a little sex-positive show here, Alex. We're not into shaming. I am... I'm a little bit tech. Uh, I'm a little bit tentacle <laughs> negative. Um, I admit. Um, all right. So here's the micro summary of the movie Galaxy Quest. Uh, Tim Allen et al. are actors from a campy space TV show called Galaxy Quest, which is a lot like Star Trek. Who um, make most of their money these days from appearances at cons and in super fans' basements, where you can rent them by the hour to pretend to be still on the show. A race of tentacled, possibly octopus aliens that has never heard of deception sees broadcasts of these shows and believe them to be real historical documents. So they recruit the actors to come help them fight their enemy space lizard. Um, They've built working versions of everything from the show, none of the smallest detail. And the actors uh, first pretend to be real, then admit to be fake and then go back to kind of like going ahead and becoming actually real. They come together as a team and fight off the lizard, save most of the squids and then go back to earth where they're about to experience the most monumental letdown since the series ended, uh, but like a thousand times worse. And that's I the movie. do think, uh, I really love this movie. Uh, I, I think it holds up incredibly well. Uh, the cast is phenomenal. There are certain things as I get older and as that time goes by that really caught me. Uh, this feeling that I've never really thought about, which is like one for how, uh, how much of this movie kind of gets stuff right about like on a fan culture and, Things like that. It is so funny mm-hmm. to see a world like that's very pre Comic Con blowing up. Like when the idea of actors at like autograph booths or doing conventions is like a lowly thing. With now like yeah. Ben Affleck and the rest of the Batman cast is at like Comic Con signing autographs. Like it's just very funny. Uh, Right, the idea that you could well, you only mean, have yeah, pay fifteen dollars for an autograph. Only charge fifteen, but yeah, you're usually charging a lot more. Um, I mean, one thing about that, I think that it gets right about about that culture. Still, though, is that the actors probably yeah, feel well, pretty conflicted about it. That even when it's huge, it's not always the most glamorous no, or fun it's part of the job. Like it's it's and, good work if you yeah. can get it. And another thing that really stood out to me this time, which never really registered as a when I was younger, but as I get older, it's funny the things that kind of pop out and like the idea of like as a character development that Tim Allen's character is so insecure. That two shitty teenagers <laughs> talking shit in a bathroom wrecked his day. That's just yeah. something. 
destroys it's, him. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's possibly just his never, leak. It, it to just me, when I was like young, him. it just didn't really like click about like how weird and sad that is. But as I've gotten older, it's like I'm a grown ass man. There is almost nothing a teenager can say. Actually, I take that back. There's a lot of things a teenager can say to me oh. that would hurt me. Yeah, I totally. I want to say I, mm. I admit I agree with you about focusing on that part. That's a great point. But the, I've never seen something more relatable. Like you, one comment on a TikTok video. Yeah, um, get, I'm thinking about it months later. If you if you word it just right, if you find my weak spots and and they are the bulk of me. Um, if you quote, only weak spots. Yeah, I'm the opposite of a Mario <laughs> villain. I'm like everywhere on me, but the top is a weak <laughs> There's spot. There's the one safe spot that. Yeah, that's yeah. the part you could, you could probably hit me there and I can handle it. But everywhere just else no is go. just just yeah. a pile of weakness. I and like that so, word. It's a TikTok comment where it's like, Alex, your hair is super like, nah, my hair is great. But everything else, you're totally <laughs> spot on. I, <laughs> yeah, there was there was one about a shirt that I was like, no, you're wrong. This is a good shirt. But then everything else is like, you hold the microphone weird. And now I've been thinking about that oh, for, a, for weeks. Like, do oh, I hold the mic so, weird? That's so great. It's such a great offer for the fans. So, guys. Look for a weak spot. You can live rent-free in Alex's head for the rest of his life if you want but, to. But, but you know, some places the reason the rent is so cheap is because it's really crowded. <laughs> so you do have to share the space in my head. You're and not living no rent-free. Right? Yeah, it, it's a, and it, there's no elevator. It's a walk-up all the way to the top. It's not it, worth it. But is it rent control? No in-room laundry. It's terrible up there. And there's so many people who have forgotten about me that are still up there. Um, <laughs> they just can't get out. <laughs> man if i heard people in real life talking shit on me that like and if they did nail me yeah. that well i think it would i mean i'm not a drinker but the idea that he's like he needs to go home and self-soothe yeah. makes sense yeah to it me. does can we just talk about tim allen in general a little bit because he's like so perfect yes we should talk about it, tim allen in general it, speaking of can, cancel culture weird uh, <laughs> that's my, what that's is my tim allen impression <laughs> Yeah, I'm just oh, doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, yeah. Yeah. He does well, that instead look, of writing. That here's, was here's the thing about Tim Allen. He's a dirty snitch rat. Uh, and yeah, that totally. That to me is more <laughs> offensive than any like I don't give a shit that he's like an old uh reactionary conservative comedian. Like whatever. There's a lot of those. The thing that that Yeah. That's but okay. I mean, that, like, that who, does who bug me for the record. Right? But yeah, uh, he say he, he, he you can set it yeah. aside. You can just be like, yeah, that's your shitty who I, you are. Doesn't I need to constantly. Yeah. Whenever I think of Tim Allen, I think about the fucking people who did serious jail time, who had to look on TV and be like that fucking coke dealer I hired, who <laughs> ratted us all out to get out of jail time, went on to be the biggest comic in the world. Oh, that would drive me so baddy if I. Well, but on the, but on the plus side, you probably don't get There's to watch TVs it from and jail. jail. So you know they only have major networks. They're not getting you cable. Yeah, yeah, you're just right, watching they are just watching ABC. Dude, and Home Improvement yeah, was like, yeah. oh my god, you couldn't get away from uh, it. It was everywhere. But yeah, I yeah. do think that Tim Allen, um, you know, he he certainly has a talent. Like he has a a a. a good presence on screen. That's obviously why he has become a big star. I think he was someone who was mostly misused, except for in two things, this and Toy Story. I think Tim Allen is yeah, yeah, he's he's great in Toy, in Toy Story. And I think he's genuinely incredible in this movie. And like, it works. He's, he's perfect yeah. casting for 
William Shatner. He's like, perfect in like, this, and I and I was upset when it started, and then because um, I'm mostly annoyed by his real life presence now. But man, but that's he's I mean, perfect that's for Shatner, role. dude. Check out like Shatner's freaking Twitter. Yeah. Like yeah. it just makes you hate the guy so much. Like we could yeah. also just yeah, not, you, right? you can, can also just, just ignore it. But 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 like okay, even yeah, I'm gonna this not character, do that. Yeah, good point. Jason Nesmith. I was six letters into typing that but, in, in a search yeah, bar, no, and now I'm not like, stopping. No Even his character, with all of his flaws, Jason Nesmith, the character Tim Allen's plays, this character would mm-hmm. never release multiple albums thinking he could be a pop star, like William Shatner actually did, right? Well, yeah. Well, I mean, Shatner is a true original. <laughs> there is no like, way to recapture even his His shittiness is nowhere close to the actual like role. like I do think a little bit that like Tim Allen showed up and everyone was like great I love your interpretation of the character and he was like character what are you talking about uh <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. I just like though that they did pick so I mean I I believe from the casting that they're like well Tim Allen's shitty so let's have Tim Allen be the yeah. the Kirk person like but so the key to this, though, the key that okay. Well, first of all, let me. Everybody has wait been waiting twenty eight minutes into the show with bated breath to, breath to answer the one question: Is Alex going to ruin this episode? And the answer is no. I had a very good time uh, watching this. Oh, my Why first time watching the movie. Think, how would you ruin as, this episode if you were going to? As if I didn't oh, okay. like the movie. <laughs> um, as told me that if I didn't like the movie, we are not oh friends God. anymore, and that is a high stakes. Uh, movie watching experience a lot of pressure to put no, on somebody especially one of your old really friends i really hope you like it so we can stay friends <laughs> <laughs> right yeah it's more of a glass half full i'm gonna not <laughs> talk to you again um it was it was touch and go but no i loved the movie I had, i'd never seen it before i had a great time basically the whole time but the one of the things that makes it work so well or i think the key that makes it work so well is that it has a lot of heart mm-hmm. and it's a it's the kind of comedy that i love where it is, it's a lot of heart. It's trying to be a good version of the movie it's making. In addition to being funny, it's not yeah. like it's it's like lightly roasting right. this topic, but it's mostly from a place it's like, clearly these are obviously it. like Trekkies. Yeah, like, I mean, they this love it. is yeah, yeah, yeah. And the and the main thing with Tim Allen, the main thing that he does is that when he first comes on, my I feel like he's shitty, and he's and and uh, by default, and then he's playing a character who's a little bit shitty. But when he is genuinely excited to get yeah. to be the captain of the new spaceship. Yeah, it rules like that's the heart of this is that they actually did love these roles and they're not like just doing this cynically for money. Like, Dude, you, I mean, like you're literally just it's describing like, oh, Kirk like this is exactly how it is with William Shatner. It's like he you want to hate him well, and then he starts being Kirk and you're just like you, you, it's I don't know. Yeah. You're pretty it's amazing. Yeah, it's pretty fun. Yeah, I. I did. Re- I did watch Ezra recommended as well the um, documentary about this, which is also available on Prime, which is called um, "Was It Never, Never Give Up, Never Surrender." Yeah, Never Give Up, Never Surrender. Uh, um, and uh, I watched. Like, I think I watched most of it. But um, when they're talking about the writers, the what the producer said is they had like they they bought the script and then mm. threw it away. They just kept the concept. <laughs> they bought it and they were like, "Yeah, space show goes to, or like real show." Uh, or fake show they experience in real life. Great. Thank you for the, here's the money. Here's, and I will throw away the rest of the script. And then they were interviewing writers to rewrite it from scratch. And Robert Gordon was the first, everyone came in and said, Oh, the captain hates this. This is so cynical. And every single one was like, Oh, the captain hates this. And then Robert Gordon was the first writer who was like, Oh, my assumption is he loved being captain and he can't wait to be captain again. And that's why they hired mm-hmm. him. And I agree that that's what makes the movie. So that so and Tim Allen handles that so brilliantly where he does he 
he seems like he's probably genuinely a douche, but then he has this childlike enthusiasm, which I think is true. was true of like home improvement. It was like, this guy is one of the worst human beings. Hanging out with him right. would be a nightmare, but he is very enthusiastic and happy seeming. Like, yeah. and that I mean, is, this wins is, you over, uh, wears you I down. I haven't seen, the only other thing I've seen by this director is Bill and Ted face the music, which I think this is, yeah, like, Seeing that, like I saw that before I knew it was the same guy who made Galaxy Quest, but they are two movies that are very much on the same wavelength of like incredibly good natured comedies that aren't cynical and nihilistic. Yep. Yep. Um, and I really yeah. love yeah. that approach to these two movies. Um, yeah, and this one is, yeah, it's totally true. And that was another thing that was apparent when they were hiring directors because this was originally supposed to be Sam Ramis. Who was going to make it like? Harold no, Ramis. sorry, sorry, sorry. Sam Raimi, Harold Ramis. Sorry, Harold Ramis. Like I'm, I'm in between yeah. here. Harold That'd Ramis. be incredible, also, but very yeah. different. But Harold Ramis wanted to make it like just a shitty comedy. He wanted to make it just like a like screwy, goofy shit on these people move on comedy. And then, and he didn't want Tim Allen because he thought he wasn't the right kind of funny. And then this was like this uh, director of this was uh, whose name I forgot already. Dean Parasot was yeah. like, yeah, no, um, this is good natured and love and heart. And yeah. Made it work. Dean Parasot directed like five episodes mm-hmm. of reading rainbow, which is also great. Yeah. Oh, uh, and, then, and then the yeah. rest of this cast, you were talking that about Tony Shalhoub. Alan Rickman is phenomenal in this movie. Uh, oh, as Alexander oh Dane. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. his character mm-hmm. as well is like, you know, he's playing kind of like a combination of like Spock and uh, Worf from Next Generation in terms of like the warrior race mm-hmm. stuff. But I, mm-hmm. I really love the way, again, that's kind of like really great uh, sort of Trekkie jokes where like, you know what, um, Alex, you know about um, Leonard Nimoy's two novels that he wrote? Or not novels. Yeah, his yeah, uh, like, no, 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 I Am Not Spock was the first one uh, because he hated mm. being pigeonholed in <laughs> Spock. Wait, and is the it's second called, one called I Fine? Spock. I yes. guess I am Spock. So he like he <laughs> went oh, on a full arc. No, I did not but see like, that coming. You know, out of nowhere, you know, had one of the biggest film hits of the '80s when he directed like Two Men and a Baby, and he he did all this other stuff. But he was tired of just being pigeonholed to Spock. Uh, so like the Alan Rickman character is kind of playing that dynamic of somebody who kind of really hates that he was mm. this, but you know. The, the you know there are certain differences where you know Leonard Nimoy is a, a Jewish kid from Boston with a really heavy Boston accent, not like a fancy British uh, actor. Um, but but his so this was another one where um, Rickman had not really done anything funny before. Uh, this was before Harry Potter. This was him being like he's mostly a very serious actor, and then he's doing this like as a yeah, fake I mean, serious actor mostly, which is so you know, cool been a villain just really enjoyed that. right like his the, it's, it's always crazy to think about his first film role was in die Hurt. that was his first movie um so he hadn't even been acting mm. in, in film for that long at this point point. Yeah. yeah so he was like in like robin hood prince of thieves the sheriff of nottingham uh mm. um but, but i guess the same, this is the same year yes. that the dog came so out he was well. definitely trying to um, you know, have oh, a little okay. bit more fun I I do I love serious actors doing comedy. I mean I like the this is like airplane and, yeah, and something, like taking taking someone who is so incredibly serious and then having them be a serious act, actor on this comedic script is a really fun possibility. It doesn't always work. I think but it's very fun. The, the heart of it, right? It has great heart because I think it treats so much the subject matter which is like 
on its face like silly it treats it with such respect like yeah. like all the way yeah. um and i think like that that's what makes it work where it's like genre that like it kind of sneaks up on you where it's like hey this is silly looking stuff but we really love it and and there's a weird thing that happens when someone loves it that much it's like okay i'm not going to make fun of it like let's just like let's just kind of it's more of a celebration and there's an earnestness in it i think that uh really i think it allows me to maybe uh connect with it in an emotional way that i wouldn't otherwise um had it been trying to be like sort of like had it not had this like weird kind of like double edge of like both silly stuff and and like yeah, you know and, like, a, like good hearted like, emotional you know, stuff. The red shirt, right? Like that was a that's always been like a very common uh-huh. trope. Yeah. But like in nineteen ninety nine, I don't know how sort of like mainstream that idea was, and to like not only pit that in your movie, but to like have a entire character arc realizing a character go from I from the red shirt <laughs> to the plucky comic relief. As like a narrative arc, but also be able to mention that narrative arc in the film. Like that's that kind of like really sharp meta writing that is just you only get that from a place of love, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That that is really interesting. Also, I love the term red shirt because it is a um it's more it's like a popularity index of what that means to you right away. Because red shirt is also a jock is a sports term for college athletes mm-hmm. um where you sit out the first year and you get your four years of eligibility oh. <laughs> later so if you're a redshirt freshman you don't play the first year because you only get four years that you're able to play but you spend five years in college the first year you just practice with the team and then you play for four years anyway like a lot of people probably are not on both sides of that a lot of people know right. it one way or the other and so I, it's a fun uh it's Lipistist. a fun like finding out which group you're a part of right away this one is this movie is just so watchable for me like this like like always and i think like like i was i mentioned it uh uh that we were like gonna watch it uh for the show and like uh i think it was on mother's day i was like over at my parents yeah. house and i was like let's watch it right now and like <laughs> i think it's, i love that it's like that level That's of like great connection i think that that it just it, it, it just comes from such a good place i guess and, and i think yeah. that they got so many of the um the the bits like right basically they they took a lot of care in the practical effects and like in the look of everything else i'm so um, glad you mentioned the effects because that's another thing that like can definitely throw off watching a 20 year old movie and they the effects are I, th- I, yeah. I thought were just perfectly executed like the the cg moments um look a little bit campy sometimes but what they did was like when the when there's an alien that they're touching, it's practical, and when they're just aliens on a uh, up on rocks, they can be CG. So you never have that awful human CG interaction that they were so bad at, and, and still mm-hmm. are pretty bad at, I think. But they use the two of them so smartly that like when he fights the pig lizard, it's great and gross and <laughs> practical and, and has aged perfectly. And the little the little creatures that eat each other are uh, they look a little older CGI wise, but are perfectly used in the film. So it held up incredibly yeah, I, well. For yeah, actually, that's like, a good point. Especially compared that. to, I think it also really helps to show a lot of the campy television quality special effects within the show. So that when you see, like that's one of the things I really love about the yeah. opening of this movie, which I wonder if it would confuse younger people who don't remember like lower resolution four by three TV from the eighties. Uh, like who have only ever grown up when all TV shows were HD and widescreen, but it goes from four by three to right, widescreen right, right. in the opening. Um, but yeah, like I, I thought that was like a really good way to cover some of the effects. Um, 
We also haven't talked about Sigourney Weaver, who I think is really yeah. great in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Sigourney Weaver is such an interesting casting choice, too, because she is playing uh, this like ditzy trope, and she is the yes, badass right. science yeah. fiction person. She's the most badass science yeah, fiction I mean, person I could imagine. And this well, is the opposite of her, her alien career character. as like, if you look at her science fiction roles between like the Ghostbusters, you know, the alien franchise, obviously Avatar cabin in the woods. Uh, she does so much in this sort of genre and is always so good at it. Um, but I really love that. It, it is like, she is literally playing the opposite of Ripley right, in aliens like the, and, but, but like also embracing the, the sort of sexist nature of the original Star Trek series and how she's there just to repeat yeah. the computer stuff is it's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Um, although that <laughs> repeating the computer like that is actually a much more reasonable job than you than I think it was given credit because um, my Google Home understands my voice and does not understand my wife's voice, no matter what she does. I have to be the one who repeats her <laughs> well, commands to the computer or the computer will not listen. Well, no, I mean, you can, you can, but here's the thing. You don't have to say it both ways though, right? Because presumably, uh, right, your wife understands the Google Home. You don't have to be the translator right. in both directions. Well, but it's sort of like when two people aren't talking and they're like, tell her what I say. So she, out of, <laughs> on principle, she doesn't hear what Google says back to her. That's funny. Uh, so fine. Actually, this is, partial, this is a side thing, but the there, I, I believe maybe it's a sexist thing from Google Home because if she tries to, if she does her voice making fun of a man's voice, where she's like, "I'm going to talk to the Google Home now," it understands uh, her much better. So uh, it feels real bad. Um, Google Home, but uh, yeah, I that was such a it's a fun character. It's that's the part that has a little. It's like one of the things that has maybe a tiny bit of edge to it, but is still with love to the original show. It's not. Like, like the silliness of repeating the computer thing, they like, it's like a fun laugh as opposed to like a, this idiot came up with this idea. And also you have to get that, that bit of critique in there. Cause that's kind of Star Trek has always been like, oh, it's like a progressive show. But then it's like the roles that it's had for women do not really speak to that at all. And in the original series, especially is like super crazy sexist, like, well, at the same time, kind of saying Um, that it isn't essentially. Yeah, that which actually makes it's it so ridiculous more <laughs> that it thinks it's doing great. Yeah, I, maybe, I don't know if it should annoy me more when somebody thinks they're crushing it, but yeah, it definitely does. Uh, but she's so fun in this movie. She also is like comedic yeah. chops, serious actor. Well, I mean, which this I is like a, a lot. Besides, like the aliens, like um, said, doing the two Ghostbusters movies, this is very much in that zone, right? Like it's. You know, a fun sci-fi comedy that is like played straight in certain places and uh, really funny in others. Um. Yeah, yeah. Um, one thing that so this came out in 1999, and one thing I wanted to bring up because we've talked, we've joked before on the show about 1994 being the year of movies, and we are definitely wrong. Um, 94 had a lot of movies that mattered to me personally, but 1999 is generally oh, yeah. agreed upon this, to be the, Matrix, the year of movies. Uh, so. So and and there's a great episode of 99% Invisible um, called the Megaplex that I will link in the show notes that basically explains why it was the year of movies, and it's because of the AMC Grand Megaplex in Dallas. <laughs> what? <laughs> Have no. you guys heard the story? No. So basically, before this, all of the theater, most of the theaters in the United States were like one screen, maybe three screens tops, 
but it was a lot of small independent theaters and AMC decided to build a in Dallas, like everything else in Dallas, an absurd version of it. And they were going to build like a 25 screen megaplex. And everyone thought in the industry thought that was stupid. It's not going to work. You're going to go bankrupt. And then it totally worked. And so then everyone started building megaplexes around the country. And now that you have a million screens, you have, you need more content wow. to fill those screens. Mm. So there was a couple years in the late 90s where movie studios were just green lighting the shit out of stuff. Um, so the, the example they talk a lot about in, in the episode is uh, John Malkovich, which is like just the weirdest insane right. premise for a movie that would be very difficult to get made in a lot of years. But in those years, it was like, yeah, go ahead, whatever. we got to fill a lot of screens. And so there were always really interesting, weird things being made. And then a few years after that, they started to figure out actually the most profitable thing for a Megaplex is just to show the same Star Wars prequel right. or Spider-Man on every just, screen just all the time. Down and have, just have on a different the same sh- two movies or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Then you could. it turns out you could have Spider-Man start at 905 and 910 and 915 um, in different screens. And so then that kind of died out. But there was like a couple years of just where the number of movies created well, was just much more than other years. Well, and so 1999 is a lot of great movies. I'm just sort of looking through, but also so many movies that would be like critical and financial disasters when they would come out, but would go on to be like incredibly important movies that everyone knows about, you know, like mystery men, fight club, um, existence, uh, Magnolia, mm. The Iron mm-hmm. Giant, which was a fucking you know disaster when it came out. Yeah, dude. Yeah, the talented Mr. Ripley. Uh, but and like those are just movies that would kind of. And then in terms of like big movies, well, fuck. Yeah. Boondock oh, Saints, Boondock Saints yeah. the yeah. best movie of all time. But you have you know in like you know, <laughs> The Matrix, The Phantom Menace, Stanley Kubrick's Eyes Wide Shut, which had to right. come out eventually. Eventually, you know. Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo. <laughs> yeah. Keep them the coming. Sixth, the Sixth Sense, uh, <laughs> The Spy Who Shagged Me, Superstar, oh. Office Space, uh, For the Love of the Game, The Thomas Crown Affair remake, Office Space, The Thomas Crown oh, Affair, Thomas. Uh, Election, yeah. Go, yeah. American Movie, where I've oh, said on this podcast mm. several times, the best documentary, Three Kings, Never Been Birth City Blues, Pushing Tin, the Blair Straight Witch story, Project, which watched on the Sleepy show. Hollow, Eight Millimeter. Oh yeah, Blair Witch. Bicentennial yeah. Man. That movie's bad. The, uh, uh, the Insider, <laughs> which is an incredible Michael Mann movie. Analyze this. Adam Sandler's a Christmas Big Daddy. Carol, but not the one with Muppets. It's just Patrick Stewart, and is, that one's probably bad. <laughs> oh, I should see that. There is no. That's stop it. I we we've been giving all these real answers. You can't Green, describe a movie that's, that's not real. That's a real movie. I just saw it. It's on. No, there's never been a Christmas Carol without there's, Muppets. I've there no idea are what many about. Christmas carols. There's only a majority the one of them without no. Muppets. Actually, it's <laughs> mostly it. it's mostly Muppetless. Never the heard Christmas of carols. Uh, no, I think it's it's exclusively. <laughs> it was written originally with Muppets. I think you didn't realize that. <laughs> yeah, that was the classic. Well, yeah, when Dickens you read it, you that, can put is... the Muppets in if you want, and no one can stop you from doing that. Um, also, yeah. but I'm a cheerleader and the South the Park, South movie? Park movie, our favorite movie. We go see that every year. Yeah, I mean, like, there's so many. Oh, uh, Dick. Yeah, that classic. <laughs> Everybody loves that movie. 
So again, um, I'm, I'm cool with it, but is this show just a thing where we just like name yeah, all the on, movies in the year? Keep, is that what this... keep them coming. <laughs> I mean, it's weird that you just don't remember the show as you should listen more often. You know this. all the yeah. normal tropes that we have. Um, anyway, the point is, this is an insane year for movies and uh, yeah. you can see it um, in just like looking at lists or listening to the lists in our case. Yeah. Um, yep. Also, I can confirm from my background Googling that Red Shirt for college sports is uh, been around since much longer than the Star Trek version of Red Shirt. It uh, was originally 1937 at the University ah. of Nebraska. All the jocks were... I think the first one. Star Trek was around 1937. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we're going to find out more about that because I think there's a good time to transition. So we're going to end our talk about Galaxy Quest and we're going to have a very special third segment that I think everyone is going to enjoy but me. So um, any last thoughts on Galaxy Quest before we move on? I, I had one kind of like, this is kind of one of the questions that I was curious about for everyone. If you could start a civilization around one piece of media, uh, which historical documents should we yeah, choose? What would you want to do like to, to sort of spin off? Mm. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that, and especially with the thing that the idea that Star Trek was really sexist. Like we've been, so this whole alien race is built around well, those mean, to be divisions fair, to of Star gender. Trek That's is really sexist, upsetting. but it's not more sexist than like the sixties were, right? Like Star Trek is sexist, but like all the original shows were, could be, but the time, the world at the sixties, like were more sexist than that. So, so yeah, so they were. It was yeah, also yeah. not great. The, okay. the, oh, the overall bar yeah, they was weren't not above sexist. average. You're saying they, they were just, just but, average, but it, it calls okay. more attention to it because of all the little comments yeah. that are written in as like a sort of feminist like. Right, and then right, it just right, right. it just yeah it all falls apart with with the little things like that. All right. So what else do we want? Um, what else do we want them to build a hmm. civilization well, around? I mean, even if we're, if we're going to limit it to space things, would that be easier no. to narrow down? Uh, I, I think it's, I, think, I mean, look, Gilligan's Island was real for these people also. So I, I think you can <laughs> that's like, well, that's like my favorite um, joke in the whole thing when they get all serious about right. Gilligan. Oh, those poor, those poor people. <laughs> those yeah. People. I mean, it is interesting. Yeah. I, I do like imagining what else, yeah. What else were they watching and thinking all of but, this? But, before. Before I get my Those answer, I just want to say, because yeah. they did just sort of come up. The aliens, the, what are they called? The Thermians? They you are so funny. And like all of the best You're moments perfect. of the yep. movie, I think are actually their moments because they just really, really kill me. Yep. The mm -hmm. look of it, their walk, their voice, the group yeah. dynamics yeah. of them, the way they are, they everything about them they, is you, just so They should have done a Star Trek yeah. episode where they just had them in it. Like I would, I would love that. <laughs> oh, mm. that would be a good yeah. bit now. Yeah. Man, full circle. Um, yeah, that's a good, okay. So, what's your answer for um, historical documents? I, I would say, I mean, you couldn't, you probably wouldn't go too wrong with any like Michael Schur uh, show. So it's like you know, uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine, Good Place, Parks and Rec. Like, I feel like that well, would all well, like I, that's I a think, pretty good you know, world. Science between, fiction can only go so far in a world in which the cops are lovable goofballs is not possible with Brooklyn Nine Nine. So yeah, I don't know yeah, that I so really that, want them to think that. That one probably couldn't happen. Um, um, I like the idea that you send them historical documents of what the afterlife is like with Good Place. Yeah, I mean, I, I, how are you I think, be uh, you know, like Lost would be a pretty cool thing to find a whole universe set around or oh, Game man. of Thrones. What a... Yeah, yeah I like thrones. the idea that, that that alien species. Well, hang on a second, we're gonna come back to that. But I, for Lost, for a second, I like the idea that alien species are like watching historical documents and are like, 
Like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> That's Actually, what happened? You know, it'd be good. It'd I don't be understand good for what happened. People to know from the mm. get-go that the ending of things will be disappointing. I think that's that's important for them to right. not have high expectations. Yeah, actually, that's, mm. that's I, solid. You're kind of making it work for me now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Game of Thrones. We wanted to like like dragons, sword fighting. Everything bad happens to people that you yeah. like, and also a lot of sexual assault. I don't know if I want that to be the thing we give yeah. to aliens. Yeah, it's just, well, the lesson isn't that it's just good. Just that I'm gonna right? go somewhere and you're gonna have a big old wall built. That'd be pretty neat. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, how about Twin Walls Peaks, Alex? You've yeah. been watching that recently. Uh, I've been watching Twin Peaks this week. Yeah, I would not be upset if the aliens were like, yeah, "This good is how FBI and agents pie all is behave." All that really matters. Uh, that. Yeah, yeah, that they're definitely building religion around coffee and pie. Style. I mean, it's just. <laughs> oh man, I yeah, ugh, I'm not sure how I'm feeling about yeah. Twin Peaks today. But uh, I want to, I want to throw out a suggestion here. What about uh, Speed yeah, Racer? Oh, yeah. Because as far as I can tell, uh, it's just about going fast in cars. Go, go, go. So. Mm. I, there's, mm-hmm. As far as I can tell, there's nothing wrong with that. Off the bat. Not that I know a lot about Speed Racer. I really don't. Yeah, it's an interesting pull for somebody. I don't know a lot about, about it, about. but I do know the um, cars go fast, and I think that would be fine. Well, I'm kind of in, I, I'm inspired by that to say I think maybe Fast and Furious would be a solid Ooh, world where everyone is like, man, cars can do anything you need and yeah. also family. Family is good. Actually, yeah. good I changed my answer it's to that. Around family. Good idea, no, mate. I, all I had to do was wait I, long enough I and I could come up with something. All right, we have to end this Power interview. Rangers. We have something else we got to do. <laughs> I want yeah. them to come Ooh. over here with magic suits, oh, wow. big old dinosaur robots that can combine together. That sounds dope. I would be into that. I do like that. Yeah. Oh, super into that. oh, oh so you're basing around like, you know, what they're going to make out of it. I just yeah, thought yeah. it was like, how are they going to live their lives? But this is good, too. Yeah, I agree with that. That sounds really good. All right. So we have one more thing, one more segment that I don't want to do coming up. All right, for segment three, it's time for Hunter, Trek Talk. Yeah. Hunter, will you please sing oh, wait, the official wait, Trek up, Talk theme up. song? <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. This, this also is a thing you've been doing every, every week. Every yes, week. I do it this is a whenever classic I feel segment. like it. <laughs> I mean, it's happened before. I Okay, so as you guys know, here, this is a great thing. If you've listened to the show this long... You know literally every experience I have with Star Trek. Uh, it's Galaxy Quest, the porn parody, and the movie where they go back in God. time to save a whale. That's yeah. literally everything that I know about the Star Trek world is uh-huh. those three things. So it is, um, yeah, it's a limit. It's limited. So my contributions to the segment Trek Talk is going to be low, but you can't watch Galaxy Quest and not talk about Star Trek. So you guys, please well, yeah, enjoy I this segment. I just want to say, right, Alex, I do love the idea that you're you're implying your contribution to normal conversations is high, but that's the conversation for another time. Um, but <laughs> I, I, I I feel like the Star Trek Four gets brought up every time we talk about Star Trek, and you bring it up as if like I've seen the really dumb one. But Star Trek Four is actually one of the good ones. Yeah, so I'm like a little confused. Movie... Did you watch that one and think this oh. sucks or? Um. Well, I yeah, thought that people weird, thought that it was awesome. weird. Oh, yeah, people definitely thought it was no, weird, it, but it, it was it flipping yeah. rules. It might be the best one. Yeah, I think I, I had yeah. a good. I think I generally had a good time with yeah, that. I think the only issue is just you. You think there's more whales and fewer pants than Star Trek <laughs> usually has. Yeah, I th- I do think that there's a lot of like goofball conversations on the streets oh, of yeah. San Francisco. 
um a lot of whales and a lot of time travel yeah it's i mean it's literally perfect star um, trek formula yeah. as far as i'm concerned it's pretty fun but, I mean, um, also i think yeah the star trek uh, films are not a good representation of what star trek is because i i think star trek as somebody who's a fairly recent convert to the series in terms of like quarantine mm-hmm. has really been uh kind of when i've gotten into it uh, so my wife and I have gone through all of Next Gen, and we're just finishing up Deep Space Nine over the last year. And so um, insane, yeah. You're on like and Deep Space Eight and a half. You're almost there. Yeah, it's uh, it's, the a, one, it's, a, right? it's a thing that once you kind of get into it, because I, I had seen the movies growing up. You know, I had seen the original Star Trek one, some of the Next Gen, then like the Kelvin timeline J.J. Abrams series, which it's not very great, but. Um, I do think that there is a real problem, and it is very tough to get what makes Star Trek good into a movie, right? Star Trek is not yeah. a like an action series. It's not the best Star Trek episodes. No, not at all. Literally, of mostly people talking about philosophical conundrums, right? That is what makes Star Trek mm-hmm. good. That is what makes it engaging. What makes like some of these, you know next gen episodes or deep space nine episodes are watching that are you know over 20 years old still incredibly relevant to what's going on in the world today like i've been shocked um that going through deep space nine how many things you can apply their lessons to what we're doing today right and like they were talking about different things then uh but the sort of themes and the the lessons uh really transcend and that is the stuff that is like makes star trek so good uh, to me, and like really getting to know and love these characters, and I think that is like a part that you do kind of lose if you just see the movies. If you don't really understand the relationship between like Scotty, uh, or not Scotty, but like Bones, Kirk, and Spock, right? You're not really going to get a lot of what they do in the movies, um, right? So I think that the movies have always it's it's why the movies have always struggled. You know why? For the most part, most people would say most of the Star Trek movies are not good. Or all, yeah, well, all the odd well, ones half are bad. All the even movies are pretty yeah. good, right? Two, four, and six of the original are all good. I mean, I would I would say even some of the even-numbered, supposedly good ones are just okay. Like, just mediocre as just movies in general. Yeah. And maybe even mediocre as, like, Star Trek stories, really. Yeah, that is a big part of it, too. First, first contact first though. Contact's pretty good, for, yeah. for first uh, contact, pretty good. It's probably the best TNG yeah, but movie. Was, but those are all yeah, pretty that bad. That was an odd number movie, right? Because it was generations, then first contact. So it, yeah, I don't really agree with the even odd thing too, because like Star Trek Three is okay. Like Star Trek Three isn't a horrible movie. I think people uh, think of that one as being bad just because there's some awkward. There's an awkward climax because anytime Star Trek is like. All right, how are we going to end this? Um, okay, there's a fist yeah. fight. It's horrible. It's just the uh, worst, well, man. Also, it doesn't make any it's sense. It's also hard to follow up Wrath of Khan, right? Like, Wrath of Khan is such an oh, iconic yeah. uh, Star Trek film. To, to, to bring it back, I guess, to the other kind of conversation, like, I remember reading, I think, like, the, the Nimoy, uh, like, uh, I guess, uh, memoirs, and, like, that's kind of an interesting thing. So, like, uh, basically, uh, Alex, to, to bring you into the conversation, assuming you're not gone actually oh, sorry what <laughs> um so basically like letter name was like look i'm done being spock this sucks i'm out and, and so like he dies really dramatically in in, in uh star trek 2 uh spoilers um uh, mm. and then like he basically comes back in three he's like okay look i like it i'm back in and that's like kind of an interesting turning point writing for him how he feels about the character also he got to direct that as well 
Um, but it's like, it's Wait, kind of that, so that, how did they do that? Star Trek science fiction well, stuff. Uh, it's a Genesis device. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Um, yeah. Oh, of course. The movie Genesis doesn't even really care that much about yeah. it, to be honest. It sort but, of half explains it them. and then hand but waves it away. That is one of the biggest issues with uh, yeah. the original series that is so funny. It's like the, the, the ego stuff of like, you can tell that's where the series started to go downhill because you, you let uh, Leonard Nimoy direct three uh, and four, right? So, uh, Kirk, right. Uh, what is his? I can't. William Shatner. Shatner, Shatner directs uh, Star Trek Five, and it's yeah, awful, so, and it like l- nearly destroyed the yeah, whole so franchise. He basically. was like, "Well, if fucking Leonard can direct, I should get to direct." And he made the one when they hang out with God. Uh, it's bad. Yeah, uh, but like I think oh. what I what I really have fallen in love with is this sort of the next gen deep space universe deep space line i think is the highlight of all the star trek stuff i have seen um it definitely takes Mm. a few seasons to get its footing um i mean that is such a crazy thing to say about a show several seasons is so much so much time to give all the way through but it hits its stride meantime with, with Deep Space Nine, the way the way it kind of works is the show starts, and it's I would say it's about as good as kind of like middling uh, TNG, which is depending on your point of view, quite good. Yeah. But Deep Space Nine eventually completely finds its own thing that it's doing that is so different from uh, what had come before, because basically Gene Roddenberry, who created Star Trek, had all these really weird rules, like uh, he didn't want there to be conflict between the characters which is kind of yeah, hard there's for, no why there's yeah, no a money rough start for a wedding project. universe right so yeah. all this stuff that like <laughs> there's uh, too many yeah. rules <laughs> and deep space nine was the first time they were able to break away and have interpersonal conflict have people who will be willing to like break mm. the rules or do sort of like shittier things but they're starfleet so you know gene would never have allowed that and also what's been really interesting about deep space nine was like i kn- always knew like watching next gen you can totally feel when ronald d moore gets hired to the writing staff and he slowly becomes more and more of a powerful voice but i was so surprised how much of deep space nine um made me think of like oh this is just like beta Battlestar. uh yeah totally. which is just crazy how many especially like the religious stuff the prophecies the sort of like big war and genocide all these things that like he really pioneered and worked out the kinks here so that when he does Battlestar, you know 10 15 years later he can like really pick up that ball and run with it um i thought that was really interesting to sort of see uh as someone who like loved Battlestar galactica when it was first airing um and always really liked the writing of ronald d moore uh, and so to see him kind of working out those kinks yeah. in deep space is really interesting. Yeah. Uh, um. So just to bring yeah, myself no. back into this for a second, um, you, you probably I wouldn't would. like it. I don't would see I? why you wouldn't. Yeah. I mean, there's some. I can like there's yeah. there's some like fun like standalone episodes that you could probably like you know get into and, and enjoy. Um. There's other stuff that's like just yeah. yeah I, I, I don't know. Maybe. Hmm. No, okay. I, I'll take a strong, well, wait, strong so, maybe. So are we talking about Deep maybe. Space Nine in particular? Because I think you, I think if you're going to watch Star Trek, you should just watch The Next Generation, and then if you really like that, yeah. then Deep Space Nine is the perfect thing to watch after that. And that's just 
the next generation is the one that well, you think is the, the most likable. The problem is that there's a bad first season, but you can skip a lot of it, to be yeah. honest. Like, if, if you're not afraid to skip or go by somebody's, like, suggested uh, list of episodes, if you're too much of a completionist to not... If you can watch something in a machete order without oh, you can, I mean, missing most it, I might Star be Trek, to do Especially that. Next Gen is self-contained one-off episodes. Very little right. of them have an overarching mm. plot. There's um, a little bit of continuity that they exist as it goes, but it, it it's just a little bit kind of sprinkled in here and there. And generally, if you watch the season premiere or the season finale, you can keep up with what the continuity is for that season. Um... It seems like um, a lot of people that I know who have watched it watched it basically syndicated version where you're like, it's just right. always on. It's in the background. Yeah. You come and go. Um, and that I might have time for the idea of a bad I season. Mean, I is think just you can really generally just start with season two. Uh, you'll get everything you need from context. Okay. Data's a robot. Worf is obviously a Klingon. That's really all you need to know. Um Okay, I'm up, I'm up on that. shit. Ez, do you think I would like it? I mean, there's definitely some stuff I think that you dig. I don't know, like, I, I guess it depends, like, where your list is. Like, I mean, it, it's worth a shot. It's This is the thing where it's like, if you didn't, if you didn't like this, I would, it wouldn't break my heart. And so it's okay. more like, a, yeah, go ahead, try it then. It's it's cool to try Sorry, things. I've already forgotten. You Next said, year. which one would be the one I would watch? Yeah. Next I'll, I'll actually I'll make it simple. I think you should watch. There's a Star Trek Next Generation episode in season two called uh, "The Measure of a Man." Mm. You should watch that episode. Oh, I think you've mentioned this. And if before. you like it, you don't even really need to understand every little thing. because uh, the episode's basically just about Patrick Stewart and Data. Uh, I guess Riker's in it a little bit, but he's not very important to the episode. So if you watch that and you like it, then I think it, it's a really good kind of introduction to what is good about the show. Not necessarily an introduction to every element of the show, but it is a classic episode and it's pretty early in the continuity, so they haven't figured everything out by this point. Yeah, and like the you know, the biggest problems with Next Gen is that like Gene Roddenberry was definitely a visionary. Like I'm really glad if you look into like the history of like getting Star Trek made and how many times it it got like cancelled and then re picked up and if it like Lucille Ball yeah, but like Lucille Ugh, Ball using her power to keep the show on the air. Like, if it wasn't for Lucille Ball, Star Trek would have never gotten past Whoa. the first season. Uh, but yeah, she was Whoa, like, she really believed in the show and used all of her capital she had to make sure it got it stayed on the air. And like, you know, so like Gene is really interesting. He has like this great vision, but also so much of like the problem with Next Gen is like, his, you know, Gene Roddenberry's full name is Gene uh, Wesley Roddenberry. Uh, and so in the first few seasons of Next Gen, there's this annoying child character named Wesley Crusher who solves most of the problems and is like a little de- walking deus ex machina. And he's just a Gene Roddenberry self-insert. Uh, and he, he's like the one the sure. kid in Galaxy Quest is supposed to be making fun of. Um, like the kid on the ship. So like oh. Wesley. Oh wait, f- foot footnote also. If you want to see the effects of of having a kid insert uh, on on that person, uh, Will Wheaton's yeah. book Just and the like, Geek is also he, great. I think really hurts a lot of the early season, but by the second season, he really takes a step back and becomes more of a side character, and is still fairly annoying through most of the rest of his turn. Um, but then leaves like in the middle of the series. So. 
Well, I hope you at home have enjoyed Trek Talk. <laughs> I know I have. Hunter, will you please yeah, yeah, sing the go. song again? That is it for our show, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back again next week with another great episode of Read It and Weep in the same set in the same structure that we've been doing all of season four which just it doesn't mean that has never listened it just means he hasn't listened in 2021 um to our new format but we're gonna continue it on um next week what are we talking about uh let me pull this up oh yeah next week we're talking about another round so the paul the winner of our uh, oscars pool has given us a pretty generous gift of of not punishing us but instead just having us watch the Oscar-winning movie, Another Round, that won... It's not Best, Best Foreign Film. What's it called feature. now? Um, international Feature? Yeah, anyway. So that that won that award, and we're going to watch it, and we're going to have a good time, and we're all going to develop yeah. drinking habits. Um, so that's coming up next week on the show. And we have, um, have kind of like a bunch of episodes planned out, which we don't always have, and I'm just going to tell you the next month is going to be fun. And, it, and some weirdness, but it's going to be very fun. Um, so stick around. Please join us again for all of that. If you want to keep the show in whatever format it exists in at the time, you can go become a Meat Buddy by going to metreon.com. We really appreciate all of the people who have helped us make the show possible. Ez, thank you so much for coming back. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's uh, always great to talk to you. Um, uh, and thank you, Hunter. Yeah, for being my here. name's Hunter. Hello. Well, I just got a text from you, so I was confused about it. I was whether it was supposed to be about, but it was about another read episode. This text and... out loud, Alex. Come on. <laughs> I was just seeing if it was relevant, but uh, the answer, Hunter, oh, okay, is the cool. original. Um, great. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> Alex, what's your favorite kind of Krispy Kreme donut? Um, what else could that be a question? More. What, what other questions could that be the answer to? That was the only one. That was the only one. Come on. The Come on. Uh, it's like, what's the best Kevin Costner movie? No, he's not in that. Isn't there? A, isn't there a, Kevin, a movie called The Original? Anyway, um, maybe not. Um, what the original is the Netflix of show. Comedy? I'm thinking about something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what what kind of kings of comedy do you like? Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, and and uh, yeah, Anthony, I haven't fun. said thank you to you yet. Thank you for hanging out, buddy. It's all good talking to you. All right, we'll be back next week, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye.